0: Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4. Perhaps you've had somebody in your past that you uh, loved and that inspired you as a person. Uh, I could remember I had a a friend whose faith inspired me. He had such great faith, no matter what Uh, somebody else would tell him he just would stubbornly believe God, and God did some great things through his faith. Uh, I think of another lady, just a little old lady in the first church I served with as a staff member, and uh, she had been a pastor's wife, and uh, she had a, a great prayer ministry, but uh, she would sit on the front pew and she never brought her Bible to church, and that's because I noticed after I'd been sitting there a while, I noticed her lips were moving when the pastor would read the scripture. She would be quoting the scripture from memory uh, as he read the scripture. She, uh, such a, and such a godly lady, and she inspired me. I thought, man, that is, that is great. But you know what I found? There's no one in this world that can inspire like Jesus. (laughs) He is the greatest of the great. He is the highest of the high. And yet, because of who he is in his character, he loves us and he gave himself for us. And uh, the scripture we're going to look at today looks at Jesus and what he has done for us as an example. Paul's been speaking to them about unity. And he said, look, I want you to uh, be of one mind. I want you to lay yourselves down for each other. Um, but Jesus becomes the greatest example of that, um, and, and in this uh, little hymn that he shares here in Philippians 2, uh, he reveals some of the, the many-faceted uh, great things about Jesus Christ. And so, uh, the title of my message is Amazed by His Presence, and we just need to be amazed by Jesus uh, we need to be amazed by Him because He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our thanksgiving. But we also need to be amazed by Him so that we can be inspired to be like Him. And uh, we're, we're called to follow in His footsteps through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can do so. And so, um, the title of my message is Amazed by Jesus. And look with me at verse 4 of Philippians 2. It says, "Everyone." should look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. So amazed by Jesus, why should we be amazed by Jesus? Well, be amazed because of his loving heart. Be amazed because of his loving heart. If you look in verse 4, he says, Everyone should look out not only for his interests, but also for the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude or the same mind as Christ Jesus. So, having the interests of others. We were were studying in Sunday school about Jesus. He hears that John the Baptist has died. Uh, He goes off into the wilderness to be alone. John was his cousin. He's mourning, he's grieving. But he sees people who followed him, have heard he's going out there, and he is filled with compassion. And though he is grieving, he reaches out to these other people, and he begins to heal them, and he begins to teach them, and he begins to minister to them right where they are. That's the heart that Jesus has called us to have. Not just to think of the things of ourselves. We've got to do some of that, right? Uh, You've got to, to think about the practical issues of life but also to think about the things of others. Um, We're called to be a ministering people. We can minister in different ways. Some of us may minister through our service. If you've got gifts of service or helps or things like that, you may minister by doing things for others. And that's a wonderful ministry to have. Others of you may minister by what you say. Uh, The Holy Spirit may give you uh, uh, something to share that is encouraging. Uh, Perhaps a scripture or uh, just something to build somebody up. Uh, God may provide just the word of encouragement that is needed through your service. But as we meet together as God's people, that is one of the things we're called to meet together for. Is to reach out and minister to one another. Of course, that doesn't stop on Sunday. We can do that throughout the week. Uh, we can minister to others. God may put somebody on your heart to pray for this week. I hope you'll pray for him. He may put somebody on your heart. Maybe God tells you to go mow somebody's grass. I had somebody tell me, yeah, my neighbor said that God just moved their heart uh, to mow my grass. And, and it was a widow lady, and she said, Man, I'm so glad that that was the case. And uh, it was a great ministry to her. Uh, but see, a loving heart doesn't just look out for what is in it for me, right? A loving heart is concerned about the needs of others. And so uh, that's what we're called to. And uh, the Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so as we give, it could be finances, but it could also be a gift of your time. It could be a gift of ministry. Uh, Just take your time to listen to a brother or sister who's struggling. Uh, But that is a gift in and of itself, and it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said, he who seeks to keep his life will lose it, but he who lays down his life for my sake will find it. Those who live their lives for the sake of the Lord and for the sake of others end up finding life as it was intended to be. There is joy and there is meaning and there is purpose in ministering and living our lives for other people. And Jesus did this better than anyone. He definitely thought of the needs of others. How did he do that? Well, for one, he left. The, he left heaven. Um, we had a fella uh, years ago that um, had been dead on the on the table during a heart attack, and uh, sensed that he was in the presence of Jesus. And said, so G- "Jesus said, uh, go back and tell people about me." And, uh, and he did that. Got, he came back, and, and he, he would tell people about Jesus. But you know what he told me? He said, I didn't want to leave. I did not want to leave. It was the most incredible peace that I had experienced. Uh, I did not want to leave the presence of Jesus, but he told me it wasn't my time yet. If I was Jesus, knowing the world the way it is today, I would not have wanted to come down and be a part of what we're experiencing today. Because Jesus had a perfect situation in heaven. But he left that perfect situation. Why? Because of you and me. Because he loved you and me. He uh, was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, the scripture tells us. He understood the struggles that you and I go through. Uh, He bore those struggles and experienced those things with us as a human being. Uh, And Because of that, he understands us and can minister to us even today. And ultimately, he went to a cross, and he paid the price for sin. Jesus thought of others, and that's what we're called to do. If you're here today, and you're a child of God, thank the Lord Jesus Christ for his love for you. You ought to never get over that. His love, I... It's 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 not on, it's not based on our performance either, is it? Sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Listen, everything I have as a Christian is because Jesus deserved it in my place. I don't deserve it. Jesus deserved it. Everything I have been delivered from in hell and all of the judgment and the wrath of God, praise God, Jesus took it in my place at the cross. He paid the price for my sin. So that I could be forgiven and have a home in heaven. All to Jesus. May the praise and the glory and the honor be for what he's done. And if you're a child of God, you need to, to have a heart to, to love others. And if you're not loving or ministering to others in some way, ask God to give you an opportunity. And ask God to give you uh, the uh, alertness to recognize that opportunity when it comes your way. And the courage to take it uh, to, to minister to others. Uh, Also, in loving others, one of the best things you can do is tell them about Jesus Christ. If they don't know Jesus, Uh, give them the message of hope that can change everything. Sure changed my life. So, amazed by Jesus. Why why should we be amazed? He's amazing because of his loving heart. Secondly, he's amazing because of his full deity. (laughs) His full deity. Look at verse 6. Who existed... Existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited or to be grasped. Or it, one translation says that it didn't consider robbery to be equal with God. Uh, there's a little bit of struggle there uh, as to translation because there's not a verb in the original, so you kind of have to supply a verb for it to make sense in English. But the idea is that Jesus, he was God. God the Son, and He is God the Son. He has always been and always will be God the Son. But He chose not to benefit from that so that He could come to this earth and suffer for our sin. Um, Being in the form of God. How do we see that in Jesus' life? Well, the Scripture tells us that Jesus was there at the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's speaking of Jesus. The Scripture speaks of Jesus being involved in creation. So if you go out uh, at night tonight and you see a starry sky, did you know our, our telescopes tell us some of those stars that we think are stars are actually galaxies? Isn't that cool? Um, All of the vastness of space and the beauty of the different kinds of galaxies and all these things were created by Jesus Christ. They're held together by His power. If you go to the beach and you see the the calm waves crashing on the beach and the soothing atmosphere there, um, did you know that Jesus made that for your pleasure and for God's glory? If, if you look at the beauty of the mountains, we've just seen the leaves. Now they're mostly gone, but we've seen the leaves and all of the beauty of the creation and the mountains that we, we have all around us. Know that Jesus created those mountains for God's glory and for our pleasure. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Uh, so Jesus created all things, Jesus sustains all things, He is the provider. Um, He is the one who broke the bread uh, to feed the 5,000 just as God supplied manna from heaven in the wilderness for the children of Israel. Uh, He is the one who speaks to the winds and the waves and they have to obey. He is the one who draws near to a, a demoniac filled with a legion of demons and the demons fall down in terror because of him. This is who our Savior is. He's not some kind of second-class deity either. He is fully God. The Bible says in Colossians, All the fullness of deity dwells in him bodily. All the fullness of deity Hebrews 1 says, He is the radiance of the Father's glory and the exact imprint of His essence. This is who our Savior is. And it just makes what He did even more amazing. We don't expect people to, to, uh, who, are, who are wealthy to serve, right? Matter of fact, uh, if you watch TV and you may have seen Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, or you may have seen some of these things, oftentimes people with great wealth and means, they have their own housekeeper. They had their own chef, right? Sherry was telling me there was somebody having a diet uh, scheme on, on TV. And Sherry said, well, if I had my own chef, I could do that. <laughs> you know? But uh, they had their own chef. Uh, people oftentimes in these kinds of situations have so much wealth that the, most of the menial things they never do in, their, in life. They only take, take charge of the main decisions of life. That, that they need to make. So we don't expect somebody who of position, of wealth, and of worth, at least in the eyes of, of, of the world, right, to do these kinds of things. But we know we're all important to God, right? We're made in His image, and we're redeemed. Those of us who know Christ are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And so Um, we're important and and have value. But but we don't expect that in the world. We don't expect people to do these kinds of things. But Jesus is the greatest who who has ever lived. There's no one who could even come close to him. But Jesus willingly took the form of a servant. How shocking is that? I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But how shocking is that? That the one who made the stars... The one who told the oceans how far they could go. The one who makes demons tremble would humble himself to become one of us. How amazing is that? Did you know only Jesus could have died for sin? Only Jesus could have done that. Why? Because of the fact that he was God. How can you pay an infinite penalty for sin? Listen. The Bible says the soul that sins shall die is appointed of the man once to die and after that the judgment. The Bible says that hell is an eternal place that lasts forever. How does Jesus pay for, first of all, let's just take mine, for example, my sin, my punishment upon himself. That's, That's an eternal punishment that Jesus pays for in a moment of time. Well, What about the people in this room? How does Jesus pay all of that? For the people in this room. Well, how about the people of the world that know Jesus? How does He pay for all of that? I'll tell you how. He is the infinite Son of God with all power. He is able to absorb the full wrath of God and justice of God in a moment of time because of who He is. And He says, It is finished. This is our Savior. He is fully God. And it is so amazing that as God the Son, Jesus loves us and lays himself down for us. So amazed by Jesus, why should we be amazed? He is amazing because of his loving heart. He is amazing because of his full deity. Thirdly, he is amazing because of his surprising choice. His surprising choice. Look at verse 7. Instead, he emptied himself. Your translation may say something like he made himself of no reputation uh, or something like that. But the, the Greek word literally means he emptied himself. And, and what we have to say what he doesn't mean. Okay, He doesn't mean that he emptied himself of his deity. That would have been uh, impossible for him to do because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He cannot change Uh, in his essence and who he is. He is always and forever the same, and praise God for it. He is the rock of our salvation. We can count on him because he doesn't change. Uh, But the fact that he emptied himself, in other words, all of the privileges of heaven that he had, he gave up for us to become a man and to suffer for sin. He gave up the privilege of heaven. He gave up. The reputation that he had in heaven, the one the angels worship, the one that all heaven bows before, he gave up that reputation to become a carpenter's son. Uh, Jesus gave up, I believe, some of the use. He didn't give up his power, but he gave up some of the use of some of his power. So that he could live the life of faith that you and I live and are called to live in our place. Um, one of the examples of that is found on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Jesus, he looked like a normal human being. Uh, you know, his brothers and sisters would say, Oh, I knew he was the Son of God. I, I knew it. I, I mean, I could see the halo around his head the whole time he's growing up. I knew it. No. To to them, Jesus was just their brother. Okay, They didn't see. Matter of fact, none of them believed until the resurrection. and Then they believed. So uh, it it wasn't that Jesus looked all that remarkable. The Bible says in in predicting Jesus' coming, he had no form or, or majesty that we should desire him. Jesus was an ordinary human being in the way that he looked. But on the Mount of Transfiguration... Peter, James, and John go up on the mountain with him, and the glory cloud descends, and Jesus begins to take a little bit of the veil away, and he he begins to shine with glory. Now, I don't think he gave him the full dose, because you you can't look on on God's face and you'll die. If you look on the glory of the face of God, you die. But uh, probably veiled somewhat by the cloud and and veiled... I'm not sure I completely understand it, but it showed them that Jesus was more than just a man. So Jesus set aside the glory, the radiance of his glory. He set aside the use of some of of his powers to live the life of faith in our place. And God, when we trust Christ, God credits his perfectly righteous life to us. Is that not amazing? Um, so but but the point of Jesus emptying himself is not to ask, well, okay, what are all the things he emptied himself of? The point is the fact that Jesus denied himself. He gave up the privilege that he had, he gave up the role that he had to some degree in heaven so that he could come be one of us. It was the most amazing thing sacrifice of self denial that has ever been in all of history and it's a surprising choice because we don't expect people to do those kinds of things and that's exactly what Jesus did it says he he assumed the form of a servant that's kind of a Casper milk toast way of Translating that word, the word servant, literally the, the Greek word is the word bond slave. It's the lowest form of slavery and servitude that the Greek describes. Jesus, being in the form of God, took the form of a bond slave. Talk about a condescension. I mean, wow. Wow. Uh, Jesus chose this. He took on the likeness of humanity and when he had come as a man. So uh, the the likeness of man, the form of man, your translation may uh, uh, have something along those lines. The idea, though, is that he did, in fact, become a man. Uh, They had a group of uh, heretics years ago that uh, said Jesus only seemed to be human. Well, no. Uh, listen, uh, Jesus was human because if he wasn't human, the cross didn't happen, and you and I are in serious trouble. Okay, so uh, Jesus was human. As a matter of fact, uh, there's a serious problem with that view because John in First John says, "Him whom our hands have touched, he was indeed a human being. He was touched. He was. He was. Uh, uh, he ate food. I mean." He did things that ghosts don't do. And so um, he was indeed a man. He was was a man. The Bible says he was tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. Every test that you and I experience, every temptation that you and I experience, Jesus experienced in every way just as we are, yet he he never sinned, not one time. Okay? Okay? So this was his choice. I mean, I I think it's a great day when we won't be tempted anymore. When we get our glorified bodies and we're in heaven with God and and that'll be over. Jesus chose to go through this in our place. To win the victory over the things we couldn't win the victory over. So that we could satisfy. Did you know what God's requirements are? Perfection. Perfection. Uh, Matthew says this. He quotes Jesus, be you perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's pretty perfect right there. Perfection according to God's standard. That's God's standard. None of us can make it. None of us could ever be good enough to get into heaven on our own. That's why we need Jesus. I love the scripture in Corinthians. It says, uh, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's what happens when you get saved. Jesus, your sin is transferred to Jesus and his righteousness is transferred to you. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Mm. So, uh, Jesus' surprising choice was to empty himself willingly. Did you know that's what God calls us to do? He calls us to empty ourselves for the sake of others. Now, he, sometimes people think, well, you know, if I serve God, if I truly surrender to God, God is going to make me go to Africa, or he's going to make me do something, and, and, and I don't want to do that, and so I'm never going to surrender to God. No, you're, you're making a big mistake. If you surrender to God fully in your life, God will help you. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord he will give you the desires of your heart. And so he will help you fulfill the purpose for which he created you. Okay, so that's the positive side of it, that God will help you fulfill the, the very purpose for which God designed you to fulfill, which is pretty exciting. Uh, but the flip side of that is sometimes it will take some self-sacrifice, and you've got to be willing to empty yourself. Um, what do we empty ourselves from? I, well, I, I can tell you an example from my past. I remember when my dad was called to, to preach. Um, this said volumes to me, he took a two-thirds cut in pay to go pastor a little country church out in Jefferson County. Uh, and uh, we got audited by the IRS, and the IRS agent felt sorry for us. That gives you some idea. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, but that, it, it had a, it was an empty. Matter of fact, the church he was serving, he was on staff uh, there, Uh, when they heard that he was resigning to be a pastor, there was a man in the the church that said, if you will stay at our church, I'll write you a check for $10,000 right now. Now, that was in the 70s, so $10,000 was $10,000. He said, I'll write it right now if you'll stay here. But he chose to be obedient to God. He emptied himself. Now, listen, this is what we're called to do as God's people. Listen, it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about his kingdom. And we are called to empty ourselves for the sake of others. So often in church life, people get caught up in what I want, right? I mean, not what I personally want, but what they they as individuals want. Uh, James says, from whence come these fights and quarrels among you? Do they not come from your desires within you? We have these desires. We want to get our way. And as a result, there is trouble in the church of God. The converse of that is when we empty ourselves for God's purpose. We say, "Okay, it doesn't have to be my way." Let's pray. Let's seek God's way. Let's be willing to empty ourselves for the sake of God's purpose to fulfill God's plan. Uh, that that becomes exciting when people begin to do that. Listen, you can't outgive God. If you empty yourself for the sake of God's kingdom, I want to tell you something. God's going to reward you. And uh, you'll be rewarded here, I believe, but also you'll be rewarded in eternity. And then God will give you rewards that uh, cannot be taken away. Uh, Peter talks about that. He says, You have a, a treasure, uh, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Right now, kept in heaven. For you. So, um, why should you be amazed at Jesus? Well, be amazed uh, because of his loving heart. Be amazed because of his full deity. Be amazed because of his surprising choice. And finally, be amazed because of his shocking humility. Verse 8. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Shocking humility. Nobody expected the Messiah to come in this way. I mean, there were predictions that there would be a suffering Messiah. Isaiah 53 is one of the greatest predictions of a suffering Messiah. But generally, the Jewish people... um, didn't expect their Messiah to come suffer. They expected him to come rule and to reign and conquer. And one day Jesus will do exactly that. This humility was a stumbling block. Jesus humbled himself and uh, he was born in, into an ordinary household. Uh, God didn't put him in a, in a rich household. He didn't put him in a, in a royal household. He put him in a humble household. His, his father was a carpenter. Jesus was likely, uh, did you know Jesus wasn't a sissy? I'm just going to say that because I, I don't like those pictures of Jesus where they make him look like a sissy. Uh, he, was a, he was trained as a carpenter. He probably had calluses on his hands. He was, probably was sunburned. Okay, I mean, it, he was, he was uh, probably a man's man. Many people, by the way, many people died from the scourging. Jesus didn't die from the scourging. So he was tough. Okay, we just just a little extra information there, but um, but yeah, Jesus Jesus came to an ordinary household. Um, He says of himself, "I am meek and gentle, or humble in heart." You'll find rest for your soul if you come to me. Jesus was somebody that children could approach. You ever, you ever known somebody who's a stuffed shirt, right? Stuff shirt, you know, they don't have time for kids. They don't have time for most people. Uh, they, they think they're above all that, and uh, they've got more important things to do than uh, to be involved with the likes of, of this person or that person. Uh, Jesus was not that way. Matter of fact, the disciples said, Hey, hey, children, hey, uh-uh, you're not coming to see Jesus. He's got better things to do. And Jesus said, You you let them come. And Jesus took them in his lap and he blessed them. Jesus' humility didn't end there. His humility continued on and ultimately led him to a cross. The one who'd washed the feet of his disciples in in service was now going to wash all of humanity through the sacrifice of his blood. And he was scourged. Um, The prophecy in Isaiah about Jesus says that uh, uh, his form was marred, his visage was marred and. And that's exactly what happened in the scourging it would they would put these bits of of bone and metal in these in these whips and it would rip off the flesh and it would disfigure sometimes people's intestines would actually come out during the scourging that's how bad it was uh, he was disfigured in, in his appearance that he willingly submitted to this and he didn't, didn't have to do that uh, then he, then he was crucified, he was tortured. Did you know crucifixion wouldn't even be spoken of in polite company? It's not like today where we wear crosses around our neck. And, in those days, a cross was something offensive. It was something good people didn't talk about. Uh, it was something that uh, no one even wanted to think about. It was something reserved for slaves and criminals, not reserved for people who were, were normal citizens. Uh, the scripture tells us that Jesus' cross was an offense to the Jews because they had read in Deuteronomy where it says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. They viewed him as being under the curse of God, but Jesus willingly took the curse for your sin and for mine upon himself so that we could be blessed. The scripture also tells us that Jesus' cross was considered foolishness to the Greeks, to the Gentiles. and Indeed it was. You don't think of a God being tortured on a cross, do you, normally? But it was the wisdom and power of God to save sinners. (laughs) Jesus' humility was shocking. It was unexpected. It was inconsistent with who he was. Jesus is the greatest man who ever lived. They should have bowed before him. They should have kissed his feet. They should have brought their best in gifts. But instead they crucified him. And it was shocking. But it showed the greatness of who Jesus was as he laid his life down for us. Jesus calls us to be humble toward one another. What is true humility? True humility is not saying you're a worm, okay? You're not a worm. You are created in the image of God, all right? Uh, You have been given gifts by God, and you don't have to deny those gifts. You just need to depend upon the Lord for the use of those gifts. Uh, But true humility, I believe, is recognizing your need for God. True humility is recognizing the need to live in dependence and trust in God. Uh, Listen, the best gifted person can't do what needs to be done in God's kingdom. We need the Lord. We need Him. And so we have this attitude of dependence upon God, but it is also a willingness to do what God would have us to do regardless of what it is. You remember Naaman in the Old Testament? He was naming the Syrian. He, he came to see, uh, I believe it was Elisha. Elijah or Elisha one. I believe it was Elisha. And Elisha tells him, "You go dip. He, he, Elisha doesn't directly tell him. He sends his servant to tell him, go, go dip in the Jordan seven times. And when you come up the seventh time, you'll be clean. And Naaman gets mad. I'm not dipping in that muddy creek. I'm not doing it. Who, why would he ask me to do such a thing? Why would he not give me some challenge to fulfill? <clears throat> this is beneath me. Why would I ever do this? And in pride, he refused to do it. And one of his servants said, look, if he'd asked you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? I mean, isn't it worth the chance? You've come all this way to talk to the prophet. Isn't it worth the, worth the chance uh, to obey what God has told you to do through the prophet? So he reluctantly agrees, and he goes down, and he dips seven times. And on the seventh time, he comes up, and every bit of leprosy is gone. And he is completely healed. You see, he had to be willing to do what God called him to do. Humility is also having a willingness to surrender yourself to God, even when you don't understand it, even when it doesn't make sense. Uh, Even when it's hard, even when it's a challenge, even when it's not what you expect. Humility is saying yes to God. Jesus' shocking humility is that he said yes to God. Um, That he said yes to such a suffering and such a situation as he went through. Uh, He was truly humble as no one else we need to clothe ourselves with humility toward God, first of all, to surrender ourselves to Him. But we also need to clothe ourselves in humility towards others and to see the good and, and, and what God has gifted them with and, and to recognize that we need each other. That's another aspect of humility. I need you and you need me. Amen? So uh, Jesus' shocking humility should amaze us. So amazed by Jesus, why should we be amazed? Be amazed because of his loving heart. Be amazed because of his full deity. Be amazed because of his surprising choice that he would empty himself. Be amazed because of his shocking humility to be obedient unto death, even death on a cross. You ought to be amazed by Jesus, but if you're a child of God, you ought to desire in your heart to be like Jesus. Somebody once said that we don't in today's world we don't have heroes, but I believe we do have a hero, and his name is Jesus Christ. And we can imitate his life, we can follow his way, uh, and, and we'd be pursuing the best path we could possibly pursue. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you need to know this Jesus. I want you to know he loves you. He gave himself for you. He went through all that he went through so that you could know him, that you could have heaven, Uh, and uh, this is his plan for you. And so uh, I'm going to just, we're going to have a time of invitation. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord Jesus Christ today, and uh, if you'd like to have your sin forgiven and and eternal life in heaven, uh, and to know God personally, Jesus has made the way possible. He died on the cross so you could do those things, and he rose mightily from the dead. And so if you'd like to do that, he asks you to make a choice to turn from your sin in your own way to follow him and to receive that gift of eternal life by receiving Jesus into your life. So if you'd like to do that here in just a moment, we're going to invite you to come and make that decision here at the front. And, uh, and uh, on the authority of God's word, if you do that with a g- genuine heart toward God, he'll save your soul and uh, give you eternal life. Uh, if you're here and you need to come to this altar as a Christian, you come and uh, and ask God to help you uh, live like Jesus and uh, to give yourself, to empty yourself for others. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for loving us the way you do, and, and thank you, Lord Jesus, for willingly becoming one of us and going through the struggle and the heartache and the pain of, of the cross. And